It's a special moment. It's a special moment. I understand that it's birthday, and I'm usually here every morning, and we see contributors coming into the house, in and out. Brian Wintour, Kendrick Perkins. Here's the difference. They're right next to me. My brothers are right next to me. That makes it special in and of itself. Yeah, I know Dan Orlovsky with his keys is coming on the show, and, and, and Kim, and Kim, I'm sorry, Kimberly, she's coming on the show, too. Molly's always on the show. Ah, with the tiger outfit, I saw you early. But the bottom line is this. My boys are in the house with me, live from L.A. College boy. Yeah. Yeah. You like it, I love it, man. This is old school basketball at its finest. And then he turns it over. <laughs> Jalen Green steps in confident and gets it to go. Uh-oh, cookies and the slam. You know, he's in one of those zones right now. Attacks the basket again, got it to go for the foul. Being 3 on his road trip, just going to Phoenix on Friday and just be the hardest working, most competitive, most together team on the floor. He just couldn't get in the rhythm offensively, and they were shooting the ball extremely well. well. No one's going to feel sorry, especially when you're Los Angeles Lakers. First Take is presented by the United States Marine Corps. Good day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into First Take. Thank you for being with us. Clearly, we're starting in the association. Kendrick Perkins, Brian Windhorst, Stephen A. Smith. I'm Molly Karam. Hi, guys. What's up? What's up? How you doing? Good morning. What's up, Molly? Happy Thursday to you. Sad happy day in Thursday. L.A. today. Nobody's happy in L.A. today. <laughs> I wouldn't say nobody. I'm, 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 I'm pretty cool. Man, don't you start. I'm Kirk, pretty cool. I like to call it Friday Eve, okay? On that note, right. let's get this party started. So last night, not the night for the Lakers, as Wendy just alluded to. Anthony Davis, a late scratch because of left hip spasms, and L.A. sure could have used him. As they were blown out by the Rockets 128-94, the Lakers are hopeful he will be able to play in the road trip finale in Phoenix on Friday. Sources telling our Dave McMenamin, which doubles as LA's first group play game of the in-season tournament. Here's LeBron on not having his A-team. I mean, we can't build cohesion we don't have our, our, our unit. And that's simple. We just we very depleted in the injury side. So, I mean, I thought offensively we did a good job of, like, sharing the ball offensively early on. He's going to get in the rhythm offensively, and they were shooting the ball extremely well. SA, I know it's a small sample size, but from yep. what we've seen, did we overestimate the Lakers? No, I think it's a bit premature to say that, but I will tell you, I don't want to hear that explanation from LeBron James. You lost by 34. You didn't lose the game. You lost by 34 to the Houston Rockets, for crying out loud. We know where they were last year. Obviously, they're vastly improved. Emmanuel Doka is their new head coach. They've got some other pieces like Fred Van Vliet, obviously Dylan Brooks there, along with Jalen Green, or who they've had and or what have you. But at the end of the day, there's no excuse to be losing the third by 34 points to the Houston Rockets. I don't give a damn what anybody says, especially LeBron James in this matter. Anthony Davis being out of the lineup, no surprise there. We knew that ultimately an injury would be incurred, and obviously he'd miss a game. We hope that he doesn't he isn't out too long with his hip spasm, guys. But that's the whole thing. The Lakers are, are, are winless on the road, 0-5. I mean, I'm looking at some numbers right here. Staggering, 32.6 points. That's how much they've been outscored by per 100 possessions in the first quarter thus far this season. They rank 22nd in the league in scoring right now and are shooting an NBA worst 29% from three-point range. Those things are very, very concerning to me. It's not about losing a game. That loss has happened. They're 
absolutely right about that, but not like that. Not like that. Not when you lose about 34 to the Houston Rockets. Not when you're the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA. Not when you rank 22nd in scoring and, and you're getting outscored by that much of a margin in the first quarter, which means you're not coming out ready to play. Those are the things that need to be very, very concerning, fellas. I don't, I don't know if we underestimated them. I think they, or we overestimated them. They may have overestimated themselves because they had an option to kind of break this team down a little bit and create some cap space, but they doubled down. They really decided they wanted to keep this team together, believing that the formula that got them to the conference finals last year was something they could just carry on. And I'm not sure that that was 100% true. It's also interesting to me that I think they're missing Dennis Schroeder more than they thought. They kept everybody together except for Schroeder. They replaced him with Gabe Vincent. Now, Gabe Vincent's hurt, but Schroeder, I think, really did a lot for this team. But but the, the big problems are, as you mentioned, Stephen A., they have fallen behind. They've played eight games. They have fallen behind by at least ten points in the first quarter, six of those eight times. Now, if Darvin Ham was sitting here, he'd say, listen, I've had to start a different starting lineup like seven times because i got guys in and out of the lineup. I, it's hard to get something going, and, I mean, that's a fair statement. But you can't – that mix is not right. They're going to have to reexamine the way they start games. They may have to reexamine what they do with – Austin Reeves, because Austin Reeves, since he's become in the starting lineup alongside these guys, he has not played as well. The second thing is, you remember last year, right about this time, LeBron had that minor freakout about, we don't have lasers. You remember that? We need lasers. Yeah. Because they didn't have three-point shooting. You can't have a LeBron James team be good in in the NBA without having good three-point shooting. They're dead last. They're dead last. So they haven't, yes, it's going to help them when they get some guys healthy. The other thing is, Darvin Ham instituted this new style of play this year, five out, where they would put five guys around the perimeter. Not every possession, but a lot of possessions, they put five guys around the perimeter. And that's the way they played a lot when they won the title back in the bubble. And the idea was put Anthony Davis out there in space and let him attack. That five out system is not working. They're, 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 it's, it's not leading to, to effective possessions. And Anthony, you remember when Darvin Ham said at the beginning of the year he wanted Anthony Davis? What did he say, Perk? Three. Six? How yeah, many? Three, three is the guy. He's taking one. He's actually taking fewer. So not only are they injured, their scheme isn't working, and their, and their mix isn't working. So it's only eight games. It's not the end of the world, but I do think the Lakers have some serious things that they've got to roll up their sleeves and deal with. I'm, I'm sitting up here trying to process everything. I'm trying to, I, I was trying to Google to see what the hell is hip spasms. You know what I mean? No, seriously. <laughs> right. like I'm getting to the point where I'm getting tired of this because now you're, you're starting to see the mixture – of the NFL season and the NBA season, and I'm watching NFL players play through way worse injuries than what, you know, guys are sitting out for in the NBA. That's number one. I'm not going to question the the legitimacy of Anthony Davis' injuries, but I'm saying, damn. Okay, second of all, when I think about the Lakers and I think about what they need, right, we think about, we go back last year, and Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves was saying, I am him. I am him, right? Like the Laker fans were chanting MVP. Then we crown him too early. Because when I look around the league and I look at all the contenders, when I look at the Denver Nuggets, you can say they have three stars, Mm -hmm. a big three. Mm -hmm. The Phoenix Suns have a big three. The Golden State Warriors have a big three. And so when I think about when I think about who is that next star, Austin Reeves, did we crown him too early? 
Mm-hmm. Because he's averaging the same amount of points that he did last season. Look, when you get a bankroll, you're supposed to elevate your game. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be able to set the table. Mm-hmm. And I don't look at D'Angelo Russell as a, like, as a point guard, mm-hmm. right, as a facilitator. And that's been the Lakers' biggest downfall, especially when Anthony Davis is healthy, right. for the simple fact that when LeBron is off the floor, too many unforced turnovers. Mm-hmm. So who's setting the table? Right. And that's why I agree with you, Wendy, on missing Dennis Schroeder. Well, I will say this. I, first of all, we all, all three of us agree on the whole Dennis Schroeder element. And it's because of all the things that you pointed out. First of all, Austin Reeves, let's get to him for a second. He shoots 41% from the field, 27% from three-point range. That has to improve. Now, people struggle from time to time. They're just not making shots. You go through those slumps, and you got to get out of it. But that could be that could be it. But that's not where it stops with me because you looked at him, and people actually like the thought of him playing point at times when you heard them chirping about it. Well, excuse me, I don't know about that. D'Angelo Russell, I understand what you're talking about. He's not really that quintessential point guard, not that facilitator. Well, damn it, that's not what he came out of Ohio State. That's not what they were talking about him when he was coming into the draft. They were talking about him being a facilitator. We've learned otherwise, but that's not how they were talking about him. Which, again, if you know D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves are what they are. I'm not talking about shooting because, again, shots either going to fall or it's not. But I'm talking about point guard ability. Then that's where you got to think about Dennis Schroeder because this guy is competitive. He can make big shots. He goes out there and competes defensively. And I think those are the kind of things that you got to point to. In the end, what it comes down to is this. I still believe it's premature. But I still think we have to pay attention to the fact that, you know what, you don't have shooting. Now, if Gabe Vincent was in this lineup and he wasn't injured and he was playing and they were still looking like this, that's a problem. Because if you're going to lose Dennis Schroeder and you replace him with Gabe Vincent and then they still look like this with Gabe Vincent on the court, that would be a different problem. But he hasn't been on the court yet. And that's why I say the jury is still out. But still, there is no excuse. I don't give a damn with all the problems we pointed to. With Anthony Davis being out of the lineup, there is no excuse to lose by 34 points to the Houston Rockets. There is no excuse for that. Zero. Mm. There you have it, Molly. Molly, Tomorrow. can you hear us? Yeah, can you hear me? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Take it away. Okay. I mean, I spoke right away. I don't know if there's no, a delay. Didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't Sorry, it wasn't quick, fast, and hurry. I was trying. Okay. I was just saying right. the Lakers are in Phoenix tomorrow. They're going to face KD and the Suns. Perk, by the way, loss. I don't know if you have a new uh, new barber, but it, look, it looks crispy. They did a good job, so give them a shout. We'll stay in the association. James Harden received a not-so-welcome return to Brooklyn as the Clippers took a 193 loss to the Nets in his second game with L.A. Harden contributed 12 points, 8 boards, and 5 assists. As a collective, the Clippers shot 36 for 91 from the field with 15 turnovers. Harden, how's the fit in L.A. feel? I'm just trying to wiggle my way in, you know what I mean? Like, trying to figure it out. Uh, right, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Um, two games, I, I'll figure it out. Um, I just want to win, so it doesn't matter about the, the points or, you know, whatever, whatever stats. You know, I just want to win games. And, uh, as long as we can figure it out to, you know, we're all competing, we're all playing at the highest level and we're all winning games, that's all that matters. All right, listen, Kendrick Perkins, sometimes you got to be your own hero in life. So tell me this. Will Harden ever be the hero again? Absolutely not. And I don't care. If, I mean, I don't believe Harden cares if he is going to be a hero again. I don't care if he, I don't care if he uh, gives a damn about being vilified. And I don't either. Here's the thing. James Harden just lied throughout that whole interview. Talk about all he do is care about winning. Because if you did, you would have stayed with Philadelphia. 
because you and Joel and B was the perfect fit. Now, I will say this. When I look at this Clippers team, I feel so bad for my brother T. Lou. I told you that he, last year. I prayed for him the other day on Countdown. I actually prayed for him. I said a prayer for T. Lou wow. because of what he's about to go through with this situation. And he deserves better. When you look at this team, before they traded for James Harden, they wasn't missing anything. When you think about a guy like Nicholas Batum, right? Not the Nicholas Batum that we expected him to be when he was in the uh, with with the Bobcats or the Hornets at the time. I'm talking about Nicholas Batum, the role player. He was the perfect fit for them. When you look at Robert Covington, he was the perfect fit for them, right? I'm looking at the Clippers, and they have too many Chiefs and not enough Indians. Right? You need those role players around them. So it's, this is not about Harden, right? I'm not believing the, oh, I want to win and I just want to win. That's not true. We don't trust you. But the thing is, is that I feel bad for my guy, T. Lou, because this is about to be a stressful season for him dealing with this Clipper roster. You know what's fascinating is that in the first five games of the season, and I know five games is nothing in the NBA. It's literally nothing. Yeah. The first five games of the season, you know who the most effective offensive lineup three-man lineup in the whole NBA was? Let's tell us, Wendy. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Those guys were killing it. Now, look, I'm not saying they would have been that way for 82 games or throughout two months of the playoffs. But that shape, they actually were playing beautiful basketball together. They were putting up some of the best offensive numbers in the league. So they make this trade, and you can tell watching these two games in New York, the Clippers' offense has collapsed. Yeah. And when you watch them, they're forcing all four of them to play together in the starting lineup. And I don't think that's going to work, but they got to manage the egos there. And in this game last night, you had Russell Westbrook taking 18 shots and James Harden taking nine. Now, again, we're talking about one game in November. It's their second game together, but that ain't going to work. That's, that, that's, not going to, that's not going to fly. So they, are, they actually had found a nice little groove after they, you know, you know, Westbrook had played well for them last year before the injuries, and they've now taken that snow globe and shaken it all up. And so Ty Lue has said he needs 10 to 15 games to figure this out. I think it's going to take longer than that. They obviously made this trade for, to, to raise their ceiling, and over the long haul they believe that's going to be the case. But I think they may have messed up something that they had something cooking. And maybe, maybe that team with those three guys as their best offensive players, maybe they couldn't beat the Denver Nuggets when it mattered. And maybe when Harden hits his stride, if Harden hits his stride, they'll be have a chance to go up there and compete on the level of the Denver Nuggets, who, by the way, are 8-1, and one, and Nikola Jokic has nine straight 2010 games. Um, maybe that's what they did. But I would just say that the short term here has caused a setback. And it'll be interesting to see if they can ever recapture the efficiency that they had just before they made this trade. Here's my deal. <clears throat> They're 0-2 with Harden. Harden shooting 55% from the field, about 40-plus percent from three-point range, taking less shots. What makes it tricky is that now you're going to ask somebody to make a sacrifice. That's basically what you're coming down to. Because I'm going to tell everybody right now, say what you want about Russell Westbrook. Ever since he's become a Los Angeles Clipper, he has looked 
a lot better. We thought his career was damn near finished when he was with the Lakers. Yeah. He's resurrected himself, and he's been a plus to that Clippers organization. And to to me, if you're the Clippers, I'm wondering why you even felt the need to go out and get a James Harden when you have Russell Westbrook there playing the way he played. By the way, didn't play that bad in the playoffs. Remember, you don't have Kawhi Leonard. He goes down he after the second game. He won them some games. And he won them some games. And then when you look at Russell Westbrook and the way that he played, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are healthy last year, are we sure Phoenix would have got out of the first no. round? No. But the Clippers would have beat them. And so I look at it from that perspective, and I'm wondering why the Clippers didn't ask themselves that particular question. So now you've got James Harden coming here. And here's what I would say to James Harden. I'm not going to go at him like you just did, even though you ain't wrong. I will say this to you. I'm going to be nice about it. Yo, bro, three-time scoring champion, league MVP, you have everything on your resume but a championship. What you smiling about? What's so funny? What's so relaxing? You understand what I'm saying? There's something about you in your soul that needs to, it, it, it needs to be something, James Harden, that's irritating the hell out of you. Okay? You were in Brooklyn last night, okay? We remember when Kyrie Irving went down, when you were still hurting. You came out there in that game seven, and you played with Kevin Durant, and you couldn't get it done. It wasn't your fault, but you, you were hurt. But you couldn't beat Milwaukee, obviously. We got that. We saw that. But knowing what you sacrificed and what you were willing to put out when you were in Brooklyn before you left, they booed you last night. They booed you. Chances are you come to Philly, they're going to boo you. They booed him we in the garden. This, yeah. They booed you in the garden the other night. We don't know whether or not you're going to get booed when you go back to Houston. Despite the great years that you've given to that city and that organization, this is what it is for you, James Harden. And so for me, it should be something in him that's hell-bent on going out there and trying to wreak havoc. And then last but not least, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, James Harden. The three guys was the most games played without an NBA championship to show on their resume. The Clippers should be, they should be the team with the biggest attitude you could possibly muster. They should be going at games night in, night out, ready to wreak havoc and show the basketball world, we coming for all of y'all. That's what should be happening because with their talent, they don't have a championship. Well, well one, SA is like, this is where I disagree with you, Ed. Because you're asking someone to have some type of passion and drive about themselves like in a James Harden when he has shown us time and time again that he doesn't give a damn. How many times have we seen them get bounced out of the playoffs and in the same night he's been in the club? We didn't see videos of him in the club. We didn't seen it too many times. This is why I want to overreact to this loss last night. Do you realize the Brooklyn Nets were missing Ben Simmons? The Brooklyn Nets were missing Cam Johnson. And the Brooklyn Nets lost Cam Thompson, who I, I mean Cam Thomas, who I believe is their leading scorer right now, right. who's been balling. And you lose that game. Nick Claxton. Nick, Nick Claxton, not in the lineup. So when I think about the Clippers and I think about what Kawhi Leonard said after they lost to the New York Knicks. Oh, you know, we got a lot of people that can score now, so I'ma just, you know, I just gotta wait on my opportunity. You are the opportunity. Kawhi Leonard is the opportunity. He's the opportunity for the Clippers to take that next leap of winning the championship. So at the end of the day, we can see it right now. The writing is on the wall after two games. That that chemistry is gone, man. You got to think about the young guys that you got coming in off the bench. You got Bones Holland. 
He wanted the ball in his hands. He didn't play in the second half. My point exactly, right? He was getting quality minutes. What you going to do with the kid, man, right? You take him away from his game. His his growth. So it's like, okay, what direction you moving in? The Clippers made this move because they were desperate. When it comes and to they shouldn't have, and they shouldn't have felt desperate. That's my point. Yeah. What was the reason for feeling desperate? Well, they've got four months to figure it out. But if you're look, if, if for no other reason, James Harden, look at the Sixers. The Sixers are playing great. They won. They're six and one. They beat the Addition Celtics by last. Subtraction. They built the Celtics last night. Their only loss was by one point in Milwaukee on opening night. And when, that's when, questionable. And, they should have won that one. And if anything, you, your ex is living well. <laughs> you want to get back at that? That was. I'm not going to freak out about, this, about the Clippers struggling in their first couple of days with James Harden, but you are right, Perk. That was a grade-A bad loss last night, and that's not the greatest start that you're looking for. I'm just looking at them, and I'm just saying, look, man, you know, at some point in time, where's your heart? You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't have – I mean, you got three guys on there that's played – I mean, you got three guys that's, uh, that's arguably Hall of Famers, and you don't have one single championship to show for it. You should have attitude. And we ain't talking about Russell Westbrook because we know he got attitude. That's one thing he got. He got attitude, okay? So we know that. But you look at hard and the, the, the laissez-faire approach, the, the attitude is uh, everything's going to be all right. No. No. You got to go for it. You really, mm-hmm. really do. And somebody's got to make a sacrifice. Somebody's got to make a sacrifice because the four of them in the lineup together ain't cutting it. You basically got Harden because you anticipate that Kawhi Leonard or Paul George going to get hurt and ain't going to be able to play. That's basically why you got Harden. But in the end, you got to have something. You got, you got to show everybody. You want this. And we don't see that from the Clippers right now. And if I was a Ty Lue, this would be my last year coaching in the Clippers. I, I, would, I would want a better situation. I really would. Stand on that. I really would. I'm with that. Yeah. All right. The Clippers are at the Mavs tomorrow as a start of the uh, in-season tournament, the group stage, gentlemen. I got a quick take. Let's get it. Wemby's MSG debut did not go as hoped for. In the Knicks' 126-105 win over the Spurs, Wemby was 4-14 from the floor, finishing with 14 points, 9 rebounds in 30 minutes. Coach Pop said, you have a 19-year-old rookie who's just learning about the NBA. Of course, it's a learning experience. S.A., talk to me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I wasn't shocked by this at all. I mean, you got to remember, one beyond has got some skills. He's got ball handling ability. He's got perimeter shooting ability, etc. With Mitchell Robinson sticking him, it was a tough night for him. The Knicks were going to get physical. And let's not forget, he was playing against one of the exceptional defensive minds in the game in Tom Thibodeau. So if anybody's going to figure out how to take advantage of a rookie who's rail thin or what have you. It's going to be Tom Mm -hmm. Thibodeau. And that's what you saw from the New York Knicks last night. Brought to you by the Capital One Venture X card. Earn unlimited 2X miles in everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. Plus receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges and a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. Unlock a whole new world of travel with a Capital One Venture X card. What's in your wallet? Term supply, lounge access is subject to change. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Have you ridden an electric bike yet? Well, you need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to more exploring time outside on their bikes. So they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range for up to 150 miles 
sales on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code TAKE. That's code TAKE. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. Just so y'all know, he doesn't have to pay for his flight, so he good. But if he's taking the wife with him, how's she flying, bro? She's flying first class with you. She's not flying first class. To fly Germany, first class he got her coat. If you were a real man, you would say, hey, you take Well, Molly, seat. if I was a real man, <laughs> I don't understand why she has not left him. You guys put me on blast, man. <laughs> How about we buy his wife a seat right next to him in Just, first class? Stop being so damn cheap. He buy that first class ticket, he might come out here with khakis on next Monday. You might be right. <laughs> showed up. Dan finally stepped it up for wifey buying Tiffany her uh, first class no. ticket to Germany. I'm not wearing khaki. I'm not wearing khaki. Dan, there's a key to the backstory <laughs> that I need to know. I still want the dinner, Stephen A., but because I'm a, I'm a man of integrity, I felt like the story needs to be shared. So, we flew the airline. My wife did fly first class, okay? So the airline is that Lufthansa or yep. whatever yep. airline. So, my first experience having this, you book your, your flight, your ticket. We booked my flight or my wife an economy class ticket. It was X amount of dollars. When you get done booking that ticket on this airline, you can then bid, place a bid for an upgrade potential, like one of those almost meter bids. So I placed a bid that was a very small number, nowhere near what the cost of a first class ticket would be. And if your bid gets accepted, you get your upgrade. If not, you don't. Last week when I was on the show, actually, yeah. on Monday, the bid got accepted. So, yes, she flew in first class. Now look at that whole but roundabout But just to put in thing. context, it was like <laughs> a first class ticket was like 12000 And I think the bid was like 300 or 400 bucks. So, Can I say something to the ladies on this show? <laughs> to Molly and Kimberly. Mm-hmm. I just want to know how do you feel about the fact that this man is in studio with y'all? Sitting there with a smile on his face, d- d- you know, oh, revealing man. this pathetic, pathetic, pathetic approach to taking care and providing the best for his wife. I just want to know as ladies how y'all feel about oh, what would you do, Kimberly? What would you do, Molly, if that was the extent that a man went to in order for you to fly, fly first class with him? I, I just want to know. No, 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 I no, just no, no, no. Know. This is not on my watch, no. Um, this would not be Thank happening you. in my house. Thank you. Absolutely not. Thank what, you. The Thank end you. Re- isn't the end result no, the goal? No, you just took me around, up the mountain, down to the Germany. river, all around with that explanation of a story when we could just get, like, let's get some first class tickets and be done you're, with it. You're, let's you're, or, a, dis- you're or, a disgrace. Or, 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 let's put a bid on it. Get the end result and then save $10,000 and do something else with it. Like smart people.
Dan, can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. When the good Lord comes, comes and gets you, and it's your yes, time sir. to go, right? Does that, money, does that money go with you? No. Thank you. So my point is, is that if there's ever a time to splurge and to step out of pocket and not really worry about the $10,000 you can save and do something else with it a year or two years or three years later when you'll come up with an inordinate amount of other excuses not to use that $10,000, did it ever occur to you that the moments that you provide to your lovely, wonderful wife and the mother of your children, did it ever occur to you that that is worth more than $10,000? Of course. And I chose to do Really? Really? $10,000 is a ton it of is, money. It is, but we're just talking about her. We're just talking about just once I want to hear you come on this show hey. and just say, yeah, man, I, I, I splurged on my lady and I was happy about it. That's all. That's all. I did the smart thing. Also, Stephen A., I want my dinner. Look, I want my dinner. The manager, hold on, hold on, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. It doesn't matter. I, want my dinner, I have though. no yeah. choice. I have no choice. Number one's a bet is a bet. Number two, the manager, the manager of Rails <laughs> called me because okay. he was watching first take. And you and your wife will have a lovely dinner scheduled for you in the Look first week of December. Look, of December. Mm-mm. Of December. It's already, it's already been taken care of. First week in December, you and the lovely wife at Rails, my treat. It's Look done. how happy your face is. Somebody's giving not, you free stuff. Is this Look not a master class by me? You are Joanne the scammer, bro. Mom, like honestly. Sounds honestly. like favor. I call that favor. I'll leave it at that. I'll take that? Yeah. I'm staying, I'm, I'm, I'm staying out of this one. All right. Uh, what I'm not I've staying noticed, out of is this. And I'm wondering C- why, but okay. CJ CJ Stroud on his bandwagon. Maybe a rookie, but he's looking like a vet. Stroud put on a show Sunday versus the Bucks and the Texans' two-point win, throwing for 470 yards and five TDs this season. Stroud is leading the league in touchdown-interception ratio with 14 TDs to one interception while also ranking in the top three in both passing yards per game and yards per attempt. Dan, tell me this. Should Stroud be in the MVP discussion? He absolutely should be. A couple of th- reasons why. Number one, there's no one running away with that right now. We, we, there's Tyreek, there's Tua, A.J. Brown, Patrick Mahomes. You could even throw like a Joe Burrow or a, or a T.J. Watt into that. No one has run away with it. So I'm going to give you multiple examples of why in specific to C.J., the answer is yes. Number one, C.J. Stroud was the number two pick of the NFL draft. The number two pick when it comes to, excuse me, maybe the number three pick, whatever it was. Um, those teams aren't good. Those teams are picking there for a reason. They're not good. Houston's four and four. The Houston sits at four and four in, in within their division. Massive game coming this weekend. So that gives credit to it. Number two, Molly, they are the sixth ranked offense when it comes to scoring in the NFL. Sixth. They are number one when it comes to not giving the ball away. Those two are directly tied to quarterback performance. If we took a blind resume, just be honest here. If we took a blind resume for any quarterback, and I put the quarterback and I told everybody at home this, Stephen A., Kimberly Molly, yards, he's seventh in the NFL. Yards per attempt, he's third in the NFL. Yards per game, third in the NFL. Touchdowns, he's sixth in the NFL. Interceptions, he's number one in the NFL. Third downs, he's second in the NFL. Passer rating, he's fourth. 
If we just took yeah. a play, you'd be like, oh, that quarterback's playing in the MVP conversation. No question about it. C.J. Stroud's play has put him in there along with no one else right now running okay. away with that. Okay, um, Dan Orlovsky, you are wrong, but I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. It's not because of the greatness that we've witnessed from C.J. Stroud. That's, not a, that's undeniable. Right now, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, if I'm the owner of the Carolina Panthers, uh, the GM would be very, very nervous for passing up on C.J. Stroud in favor of Bryce Young. Even though we all like Bryce Young and what have you, and we know he's not protected, and we, we question whether or not Frank Reich is the right guy for the job, at the end of the day, for him to be miniature behind that offensive line, that was problematic in and of itself. And with C.J. Stroud having more size, more arm strength and being able to make the requisite throws as we have seen and we saw coming out of Ohio State it was something to take into consideration. That's just the situation right now. Lewis Riddick himself was talking about how he would have taken C.J. Stroud number one. He had said that on weeks leading up to the NFL draft so we got to give props where it's due to Mr. Yeah. Chippendales himself. Having said all of that, here's what I would tell you. Dan Olofsky, where you lose this argument with me is that if you recall, Kimberly, Dan, we had a debate weeks ago And we were talking about the one and only Tyreek Hill and how electrifying he is. We understood that he was worthy of MVP consideration, but we talked about how slim the zero chance it would be. Because obviously, Randy Moss was the guy that only the only wide receiver that ever got an MVP vote. Well, let's talk about rookies as the league MVP. Who's the rookie that won the league MVP, Dan? Who was the last rookie to do that? Do you know? I'll tell you. I don't know if anyone has. I'll tell you what. It would be the one and only Mr. Jim Brown. Okay. 1957. Yep. That's it. That's yep. it. So that's number one, right? Because in other words, we're talking about how far gone, how far gone of a, of a, of a possibility it is that yeah. a rookie would be league MVP. Number two, you got rookies, last rookies to even receive MVP votes. Ezekiel Elliott got six votes. And yep. Dak Prescott got one vote in 2016. We got to take that into consideration. You neglected to mention the fact that C.J. Stroud, his 62% completion percentage is tied for 26th in the NFL with former Texas quarterback Deshaun Watson, who's now in Cleveland, and of course, Mr. Ryan and Tannehill before he went down. I'm simply saying that combined with a 4-4 four and four record, we know that his talent demands it, his performance demands it. We know that the 4-4 four and four record is more wins that they've accumulated in each of the last three seasons before he arrived. We get all of that. But the likelihood that a guy, a rookie, with a 500 record should be a league MVP, I'm just saying, listen, give him consideration because his talent is big time, and I understand it, and I'm impressed with him. I think he's hellified. I think he's the future, no doubt about it. But in the same breath, because he's a rookie, because of that completion percentage, because the record is just four and four, I'm not going to go that far. Oh, my goodness. That Listening to that, my friend, was I'm more drunk. convoluted than what Dan said about his whole ticket bid and auction and all that. I don't know what that was, Stephen A., but I'm a you complicated man, disappoint- Kimberly. You've said it on oh, many no, occasions. Trust me. We, don't have, it on many occasions. we don't have enough hours yeah. in the day to go yeah, there. That's true. But that's what true. you just said, my friend, I'm disappointed in you yeah. because yeah. you forced me to go across mm-hmm. the aisle and agree with Daniel. Because the two of I, listening to the two of you, only Daniel made sense. Yep. I don't know, having said all that, you basically prove that C.J. Stroud, as good as he is, whether Mr. Chippendales, Lou Riddick himself, agree. He deserves to be in the discussion. The question, Ooh, my Kimberly. friend, I don't Ooh, know if you need to like put your glasses on, your little readers, but the question Kimberly. says, should CJ be in the MVP discussion? The question is not, will he win the MVP? Mm. It is just, 
Turn on the tape, my friend. Look at the steps. Daniel just listed it off. Yeah. He, he does impeccable work. Yards, yards per attempt, yards per game. Like the interceptions, all of that is proof right there. Rookie or not, Houston Texans are not, 4-4 four and four record or not. The kid is playing lights out, and that's why he should be in the discussion, Steven. Well, you are absolutely right. I didn't have my glasses on, so the discussion part I might have missed, so that's fair. But secondly and more importantly, I will like to piggyback off of my initial point, and that is this. A dude with a 4-4 and record shouldn't be in the MVP discussion. I do feel that way. You're a 500, you're a 500 team. And I do think when it comes down to it, and the only reason I brought up the Tyreek Hill stuff, Kimberly, it wasn't to sit up there and dismiss what you're saying. It was to point out that Dan Orlovsky has used such nuggets of intel to make cases against people playing other positions. So I was simply reminding him of him doing that with Tyreek Hill and saying, excuse me, I could do the same with, with C.J. Stroud. Even though Tyreek Hill is a wide receiver, C.J. Stroud is a quarterback, the bottom line is rookies don't usually warrant no that level of consideration. Keep it rookies in, don't, keep it in, you're, you're, you're rookies, in rookies, L.A. too long, my you friend. You need no, to come back. Not at all. You I need not to come back. I what you're saying right now. Not not I, 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 I read we one, two, three, four, hold up, five, hold on. six. One second. I, I understand the four TDs, one interception, but I have to come to Stephen A.'s defense. He, so he has the 13 best odds to win the MVP right now. You know, we all know this, that your record matters. It's not just your personal yeah. accolades. Your record matters when it comes to the MVP conversation. So it, with a team sitting at 500, you're not winning the MVP. Look at the organization he went to. That's why Dan said when you get drafted that high, it's usually because the organization has Thanks. messed up from top to bottom, right. which is why the best players in college end up coming to your building. So when you look at the Houston Texans and what the expectation was going to be for them this year, no one thought they'd be – no one thought – yes, we knew C.J. Stroud was great. Right. But we did not know the season would look like this. Four and four – Understood, but this is a roster. This is a, a first-year head coach with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, so and that's where I was going. And that's where I was going. D'Amico Ryan's deserves more consideration for Coach of the Year honors than C.J. Stroud deserves no for, one's debate. Rook, I, I don't for think anyone league MVP. I don't think anyone's going to debate that D'Amico Ryan's, at least if it continues to be a part of that conversation, Why should be, be into both? that. Right. Why can't they both be in these discussions? Maz, I'll get, I get your point 100%. Yeah. I think the four and four actually even stamps the point more so. Like, I understand from the treetop perspective, right. usually that's not going to happen. Well, I don't think it's ever happened. I uh, mean, I didn't ask research to look up examples. I'm trying to think of no, if, that's, I, if that's ever happened in the NFL, where it's a 500 record and you're winning. A- but, not, but, but we're not saying he will, be, he will definitely right. be the MVP. We're talking about should he be in the discussion and how the team is playing. Four and four may not look impressive right. to, to people at home. But when you turn on the tape and watch the team, they are, they are outperforming what expectations were and, to this point. And part of our flaw is only going, who's the quarterback of the best team? Great, he's got to yeah. be the MVP. And this is, for wow. me, like highlighting, okay, this team at, with the, had the second pick is 4-4. Four and four. Stephen A., part of this I'll is also little. understanding that his number one receiver is Nico Collins. Yeah, no, like, no look shade at that on receiving you. tank. Okay, like, no, right. Tua right. Tungavaloa has obviously Tyreek. Okay, so tell me this. Let's take record out of it. Yeah. Let's take record out of it. Let's yes. change the system. Let's make new rules. Okay. Give me your MVPs based on play thus far. <sighs> okay, based on play thus far, yeah. you have to put Tyreek in there. You have to put uh, Tua in there, A.J. Brown, Joe Burrow, T.J. Watt, and I put Stroud. I think you put Six. Lamar. And Patrick. Well. 
And Lamar, yeah, Pat, so six Lamar or seven did. guys, maybe eight guys. No one's running no, away that's, with it. That's the thing. But if I took, if I told you Lamar or Patrick or Tua Where's, had these but, numbers, but essentially you have Stroud where six or eight. If we're not, yeah, somewhere in that world. Yeah, somewhere okay. in the world. And I, I don't think he wins it. No, but it's just to contextualize how good his performance is. That that yes, it's worthy of that conversation, and no one else is running away with it. Mm-hmm. All right. Rookie of the year. Oh yeah, that's done. Yeah. Not league, Absolutely. not league MVP with a four and four record. No. No. All right, we'll leave it there. Zena. He just had, he just had to add that because he he understands he got Who, completely trounced in that. Even I. Yeah, I need mm-hmm. a smile. I'm cool. I'm good. It's, it's, you know, because he good. knows he took an L. It's okay. Yeah. He got more topics. Uh, you know what? Okay. You know what? I, you know, you know what, Kimberly? If that means giving you the W, you can have it. It's okay. Uh, you not fine. You can have wow. it. Oh wow! I'm not hurting, but that's cute. How you want to play that? Yeah, that's cute. That's yeah. cute. Yeah, that was a slick. Hey, hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-time chimney sweepers, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com to sign up today. Claim based on the total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Thanks so much for listening to the First Take Pod. Have a fabulous day. Hey, Molly Karam here, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails your workout routine, especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups, sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or you just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up, power your buys, your tries the right way, or de-stress with a little cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, on Sunday, the Niners travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jags in the two franchises' seventh all-time meeting where the Niners have won each of the last four meetings since 2009. However, San Francisco enters a cold streak, losing each of their last three games, and they're looking to avoid becoming the sixth team in NFL history 
to lose four straight games after starting 5-0 or better. As for the Jags, they come in on fire having won five straight games, are looking to win six straight in a single season for the first time since 99 when they won 11 straight games. All right, Dan, you're up first. Who wins this one? Is it the Niners or the Jags? I think San Francisco 49ers win this game. I would be shocked. I would be shocked if they lost four games in a row. They're too good of a football team, too talented. I believe Debo Samuel is going to be back and playing in this game. We'll see about Trent Williams. So I think as much as I love Jacksonville and absolutely believe that they're a play, legit playoff contender, I think San Francisco, because of those three previous losses, gets back on track. Brock Purdy gets back on track. Debo and some of the yards after catch get back to that conversation. This is a dangerous game for them, though. Like, I got a ton of love for Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville has two superstars in the making. Trevor Lawrence and his legs, he's gotten into that conversation of, like, that back-breaking quarterback and pivotal moments using his legs. He made some adult throws versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. One throw to Travis Etienne, who's their other star. Etienne, one of the toughest tackles in all of football. And I think that's why I favor, again, a little bit San Francisco. They're one of the better tackling teams in the NFL. But Trevor Lawrence has really started to ascend. I love Jacksonville. I think San Francisco wins this because of what happened in their three previous games. <sighs> I'm not sold on San Francisco right now. Do you know that Brock Purdy's, uh, you know, pass rate in terms of points? It drops like about 30 points when he's trailing. When he gets behind, he's in a world mm-hmm. of trouble. He's not the same quarterback. And obviously, the Jaguars are third in the league in forced turnovers with about 18. Mm-hmm. Their offense has been running through Travis Etienne more so than Trevor Lawrence, and we get that. They're running the football more effectively. they got the second-best record in football since week. You know, I forgot which week it was last year. They're like 11-2 and two over their last 13 games. These brothers have been balling. And so when I look at it from that perspective, you know, the fact that they're opportunistic defensively, that they run the football, um, they force turnovers, and then I look at Brock Purdy and how he he struggles when trailing. I could see San Francisco being in a hole here. And if they're in a hole, why should I have reason to believe that Brock Purdy is going to be able to pull him out of it? I'm going to pick the Jaguars to win this game. Again, I'm going to side with Dan here. I think when I look at who I trust more, I trust the 49ers to figure out how to get back to being the 49ers that we're used to. Steven, you mentioned Brock Purdy. He has, I believe, five interceptions. But when you look at those in all season, but when you look at those interceptions, they've come over the last few weeks. Yeah. That is concerning. But we've also seen Brock Purdy, for the majority of his career, protect the football. The only thing that concerns me in this game for the 49ers is the health of Trent Williams. Uh, you know, Kyle Shannon said it's it's not a high ankle sprain, but, it, but Trent not being 100% or not even being on the field is a concern. But when I think about the physicality, when I think about the weapons that the 49ers have, I don't think this is a team that will lose four in a row. I just don't see it happening. Could it? Yes. But I've seen too many good games, bounce back performances from this team, and I trust them more in this situation. It's interesting. Stephen A's point of San Francisco and Brock Purdy and their performance winning versus trailing is fair. Jacksonville's flaw, over even over that win streak, is like they don't start fast usually. It's a team that in games – kind of take some time to get going. So that'll be interesting because if they do jump out, that means that they are not they're, – they're kind of getting an advantage yeah. to their own play, and then San Francisco's a little bit of a disadvantage. If San Francisco loses this game, I like we're talking about, oh, my gosh, a fall from grace. They were, in many of our eyes, like one of the best teams in the NFL. I actually still think that they are, at worst, the second-best team mm-hmm. in the NFC. So if they lose this game, we're now in a conversation of – 
Are they going to make a change at quarterback? Are they going to get into the playoffs? Because they would be sitting at 5-4 and four with still a bunch of difficult games left. So um, I think the, the bye came at the right time for them. Again, Debo's health is a huge part of that. I, I just don't see, as well, much as I love Jacksonville, them losing four in a row. Think about it. Wait, hold on. Hold on one second, Stephen. I covered the Steelers against the Jaguars. And the Jaguars had a tough time with the Steelers to start that game. If the Steelers had any semblance of a consistent offense, that mm-hmm. game might have gone differently. That's yeah, I agree. why. I get where you're coming from, but the problem is this, though. San Francisco, over the last three weeks, hasn't resembled the San Francisco squad that we're accustomed to seeing. Now, obviously, when you look at Debo Samuels, he just came back from informal practice. It looked like there was no limitations whatsoever, so he's expected to be by And Obviously, you've got a reliable weapon like him to lean on, but in the end, what it really, really comes down to is that, again, they've been struggling. Plus seven in the turnover margin when they started off 5-0, and minus three over the three-game losing streak. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. All right, we got to leave it there, guys. We're up against it. Niners favored by three in this one. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.